a SAC production. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome and thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is Mike Carr. Welcome to you. Thank you for downloading SAC Comedy Lab Presents, our podcast. We're very excited uh, because this entire podcast so far has been dedicated to the 2016 Orlando International Fringe Theater Festival, which turned 25 this year. So we at SAC Comedy Lab, who also turned 25 this year, uh, wanted to do a podcast to sort of celebrate the Fringe, all that it's brought to the city of Orlando, and the great artists that bring their shows to it. So uh, for the past month, we've been talking to tons of artists uh, about their shows, about their experiences with the Fringe, and it's been a real good time. And today's interview kind of uh, caps off that time, because the Orlando Fringe is now over. As I record this, it's been over for three days, and it's been a whirlwind for anyone who's done it, you know it's crazy. Um, it's kind of sad, too, that, that it's over. Uh, all of the shows that we interviewed had great shows. It was so fun to see them out and about at the festival and see all of the, the huge quality that was happening. Um, specifically, uh, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about Peter Panish, which was the SAC Comedy Lab show. It ended up receiving patrons pick. Uh, so that means it got an additional show on Monday, which was really cool. Uh, the same thing happened with Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche. Uh, we spoke to Julie Snyder about that show. And all of the shows that we that we interviewed were so great to talk to them and hear about their experiences. So we only have one more podcast revolving around the Orlando Fringe. Uh, and that's with SAC performer and Fringe Orlando Fringe legend, as I think I called him in the podcast, Mr. Chase Paget. Uh, Chase was a local here in Orlando, grew up in Naples, uh, studied at SAC Comedy Lab, performed there for years. Uh, the Orlando Fringe is where he honed his craft. It's where he first did some sketch comedy and then shifted into his one-man show, Six Guitars, which was just an idea he had one day, and created it here and put it up here, and that took him on a on an international tour, and he's been doing that for the past few years. It was awesome to sit down and talk to Chase. Uh, we're old friends, so we just kind of caught up and listening to his stories about festivals and how he's living his life. And now he's out in Portland uh, working with Curious Comedy Theater, who is a great theater out in Portland, Oregon. So if you're, ever, if you're out in that area, go check them out. Um, but, yeah, so this is kind of our, our cap-off to the Fringe podcasts. We're going to be moving on to some new stuff. We've got a couple of new show ideas that will be coming out. So hopefully uh, those will be coming soon. So you got to subscribe. Subscribe to SAC Comedy Lab Presents on iTunes. We also have SACPodcast.com. So you can keep up with all the great recordings we're going to be releasing in the upcoming months. Uh, we're going to have talk shows. We're going to have improv. We're going to have comedy. Everything. Uh, we're really excited about it. So whatever you do, sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with Chase Paget. Hold that down. Yeah, that means we're recording. Yeah, we awesome. are recording. We are recording. Oh, is this how you do sports? Is, is this very, how you do sports? This is not sports. No. This is Fringe. Orlando uh, Fringe. Orlando International Fringe Theater Festival 2016. Yep. I had a beer already. Um, yeah, I had a cider. Yeah. You know, it's I'm an adult. Um, we can do this. We're allowed. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, my car, and I'm sitting with uh, not only a, a, a dear friend, um, but a former roommate, former roommate, and uh, former uh, we've, we've performed together. Lover, th- everything. Th- there's not a thing we haven't done together. Remember that time I shaved your back? That was beautiful. 
You think I'm joking, America. It, it happened. It actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's what friends do for each other. Uh, it's Chase Paget, everybody. Hi, Chase. Hey, Mike. Thanks for sitting down with me. Uh, we are in the air-conditioned uh, silver, like the silver anniversary air-conditioned tent. Yeah. And this is fancy. It really is nice. And it's kind of awesome to feel some air conditioning right now. Because it's always, as always, fring, Fringe it always is like super hot every time we're here. Man, I wish they made this thing. I get why it's when it is. I totally <laughs> get it. But man, if this thing was in early March. Oh, it would be perfect. Oh, so perfect. Yeah, because it's, it's always the two weeks in May when it's super hot because summer is like, summer's like about to just, summer's behind you. Lurking, yeah, lurking. ready to grab you like a predator. Yeah, summer is a predator in the month of May. Yeah, like you can feel its breath, but it hasn't touched you yeah. yet. But then all of a sudden, it, it's like raining because it's sweating on you, right? And you're like, oh god, something's about to happen to me. And yeah, and it's like wheezing a bit because it just had a lot of Jimmy John's. Yeah, which <laughs> oh, Jimmy John's. <laughs> no offense to them, um, they're not a sponsor, so I don't care. Um, we don't. <laughs> I like Jimmy John's. I do too. Uh, it's it's great for a quick a quick dinner. Um, but yeah, so uh, you're here. You're not performing in the Orlando Fringe 25. Yeah, this is the first time I will be ha- not doing a show since 2008. 2008 was my first Fringe. And what show was that in 2008? That was a sketch show with a group called the Executives. Yeah, someone was in that. Me. Yeah, it was James Keaton. Yeah, Katie Hammond, Summer Aiello, uh, Charles Gray, me, Charles Gray. Yeah, love Charles Gray. Charles Gray is wonderful. Jamie Jessup was yeah, in it. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, God. That was such a fun group, and we had a lot of fun. We did it two years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I remember our first year, I think we only did five shows. Yeah. We screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I- <laughs> we didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't know that the more shows you do, the better chance you have of making more Doing money. Doing better. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I remember uh, Beth Marshall, the producer at the time, told us, you guys need to have more shows because you'll sell more tickets and have a legitimate chance of patrons pick because we, oh, yeah. we, we had a good show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that was such a fun process. That was my that was my introduction to this side. Like, obviously, it was our first Fringe performing. Sure. Um, Fringe is twenty five this year. How old were you when Fringe was born? When Fringe was born, I guess I was eight. Eight. Yeah, eight years old. Nice. We ask that of everyone who's on the podcast. It's just sort of a fun little question. Yeah. Yeah. There it's been are pe- a long we've time. had a couple people that have answered they were negative months old. Okay. Yeah, which is always fun to remind you how old you've gotten. I like being thirty three, man, dude. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about being because in the 30s. we did our first fringe together when we, which was 2008. So that was what eight years ago. Yeah. So we were smack dab in yeah. our 20s. Yeah, I'm 34 now, so I was 26. Right, few years out of college. Yeah, been in Orlando for th- two and a half years at that point. Uh huh. I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you because I was there. Yeah, you were. We felt and acted like we were indestructible every night. <laughs> I don't know if I'd say the word indestructible. Like. Consciously, I knew I could be taken down, <laughs> but I certainly didn't make choices that reflected the truth of oh, that. Oh, no, not on at a, all. On a consistent basis. Like, I wouldn't jump off a bridge, but I would totally uh, drink like a person who would have done that. Oh, yeah. We, right. You go into the night and be like, I'm only going to buy like three beer tickets and that's all I need. Then... 12 beer tickets later, you're like, oh, I got to stop. One more? Okay. Yeah, um, all right. Yeah, all right. Well, everyone else is doing it. You know what's really amped up that now? The black venue. Can you oh, imagine yes. if the black venue had been around when we were doing the executives? Six guitars may never have happened. No, I think I... Well, no, I probably would have done something to completely ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> like a baby. Oh, God. Or yeah. a... 
baby. We're a baby, yeah. Um, Fringe has been, like, yeah, we just had so much fun. And, and we still do. I mean, we're, obviously, we're older, wiser men now. You smirk. <laughs> and, it's f- and it's funny, but it is true. It is. It really is. I totally make better choices now. Oh, so do I. Like yesterday, mm-hmm. I had a beer and then a half a beer, and then I consciously made the decision... To just drink water for the rest of the night. Yep. And I don't feel bad today. That's Yeah, I did, we did the same thing last night. My fiancé and I were at the beer tent, uh-huh. and uh, I had a beer. Like We, we, we saw a show. Uh, then I was like, I need to eat something. So I, I, I went to the, the, the barbecue place. I'm like, in the past, I would have been like, oh, I'll take this and this and this. I just like, oh, I'll just get two ribs and a little side of mac and cheese. It was very small. Yeah. Ate that, had a beer, and then I was like, I'm good. I don't need anything totally. else. Totally. And we kind of looked at each other, and she texted me because there was a lot of people <laughs> at the table. She's like... Can we go? I was like, yeah, let's go home. Yeah, totally. So we could go home and get some sleep because we knew we had a big day today. Yeah. It's it's definitely funny. In my 30s, we had a moment talking privately before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, a few days ago, we lamented, like, oh, I can't do that as much yep. as New York. Like, we will feel it harder the next day. Yeah. And then I thought about it later. It's actually a great thing that the cost increases over time. Oh, yeah. Could, could you right. imagine if we were a species that was still acting like we were in our 20s and our 50s, Ugh. like we could maintain that pace into our 50s. We would not be, the human race would no longer exist. No. We'd be destroyed. We would be, we would be nothing but a real reality show without a camera. Yes. Everywhere. <laughs> it would be Just horrible. Just topless and swearing. Oh, it's God. already bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we, just nothing but beer guts and sadness all around the world. Yeah. That's All around the world. There would be no pockets of sanity. No, no. That's a show they should make. Pockets of sanity? Pockets of sanity, where there's one group of people that just lived intelligently. It's called then, Sweden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the rest of the world is just bleh. Right. And they're like, we have a health care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so Sensible governance. Yay. Uh, Fringe has obviously, segue, Fringe has uh, been good to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Orlando Fringe is where you, you got your start, and it actually kicked off. Essentially a career for you. Yeah, this whole festival uh, changed my life. Mm-hmm. So uh, in 2007, predating the executives, uh-huh. I had the idea for six guitars. Initially, it was going to be five guitars because yeah. I didn't feel like I'd be comfortable playing classical, actually. Yeah, and I remember you talking a lot about that, even during the executives' time. Like mm-hmm. you, you were always, that was always something that was in your head, was in percolating. Head. Percolating, yeah. That's, a, that's definitely a part of the process yeah. that I found. Like you got to give it some stew time, mm-hmm. you know? And then uh, the executives kind of went their separate ways in 2008. Yep. Or no, 2009. 2009, because we did a second show the right. following year. Uh, you know, people had kids and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, life happened. Life happened. And uh, I still wanted to do Fringe, and I just wanted to dare myself to do the scariest thing I could think of, which mm. was a one-man show. Yeah. And uh, without any formal acting training, just a bunch of stage time at SAC, and then... Uh, Oh, yeah, and for those of you listening, since this is the Sack Comedy Lab podcast, uh, s- several of you know who Chase is because, obviously, he's, he was a huge part of the, of the Sack community mm-hmm. um, for many years. He has since moved away, but uh, he was here for the 25th anniversary as Loved well. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, it's it's, Remind it's me never to been better. Tell, I'm going to tell them a story in a little bit after you finish what you're saying okay. about our first show together. Okay. Because I remember it clear as a bell. All right. Yeah. All right. I can remember very clearly seeing you for the first time on stage. I mean, yeah. like, okay. All right. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. that. <laughs> yeah. So I premiered uh, the show Six Guitars. I just wanted to challenge myself to do a one-person show that was, you know, an hour long. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I totally... I got six shows. There was a schedule screw up. I ended up getting five That's shows. That's right. I remember that. And and I only charged six dollars for the show. Yeah. Because I morally felt I don't know if I'm capable mm-hmm. of entertaining a crowd uh, for an hour that's worth six dollars. Sure. So or more than that. Yeah. And I was like, well, at least they'd walk away not bad. And then it like went bananas and it yeah. changed my whole life it blew up I, I saw it with Katie Hammond uh, we were at the same show yeah. and afterwards like she came up to me and she was just like that is that was amazing um, and that's what we all felt like I think you, were you in the brown venue the first time you I did it I was in the brown venue yeah um, and I re- yeah I remember just watching it and being like damn this is he's got he's got something like just it's just amazing thanks man and it's and you know what I've done it now 275 times and the show has evolved tremendously oh yeah um in my my original co-creator jay hopkins he helped me with the the impetus a lot but then just through repetition it's just become this whole new thing and uh and i'm really glad it's in my life and it wouldn't be here Mm -hmm. without the orlando fringe that's my life is infinitely better and improved because this festival exists oh absolutely i feel the same way yeah i've created I've been able to be in a creative process and done some cool things because of this festival. Um, six guitars. So when you're on the road and you're performing it all over, really, you've gone international with the show. Yeah, I've done it. I did it at the Edinburgh Fringe, yep. which uh, was positive, actually. Yeah. It, I did not make money. I totally didn't need to, frankly. But that's part of the experience of that, too, totally, right? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I'm thinking about going back and doing it in more of a smarter way sure you know there's kind of a way to do it you have to ask yourself what do you want yeah out of that experience and it's definitely a question i've found more and more frequent when i've talked to like legit showbiz people now sure the question always comes up what do you want mm-hmm. what do you want yeah. and the greatest gift you can give yourself as a creative person is knowing the answer to that and that answer can evolve yeah uh and it should. You should never. Yeah, you should never say what you want, and then ten years later, be like, no, "I still want the same thing." If you don't want the same thing, you have absolutely. To be, you have to be open to what's happening around you and what's yeah. happening to you, because your whole life is going to change. Yeah. Now I have a much better. Once again, back to the '30s and my '20s, I didn't know what I wanted, and then for a while, I thought I knew what I wanted, and now I'm. I know. I don't know if I can tell you what I want, but I can tell you the things I need to live a life that I feel fulfilled living. Yeah. And that, I think, is the best way to answer that. Mm-hmm. What makes me feel, feel fulfilled yeah. and uh, satiated? And you know what the answer is? Two words. Drug trafficking. There it is. It's nothing. I mean, if you, yeah, you yeah. sell out a house of 600 people, that pales in comparison to the thrill you have holding <laughs> six condoms of heroin. Mm-hmm. Across a Mexican border, yeah. and you look at that border guard, and 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 he and he doesn't know, but you know a you, secret. You know a secret, yeah. Yeah, he'll never know your bottom secret. If this if this podcast reaches like the Canadian border, um, you're going to get stopped. If like one border guard hears this, and I already goes, get stopped. <laughs> I bet you do. I already get stopped. Well, it's got to be tough being a performer crossing international because I've had that too. Sure. Going to, I went just this past year, uh, sack sent a team to the Vancouver uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Love up those the, folks. Oh, they're amazing. Um, they're the best people. Like, they're the best people. We went and did their festival, and then um, I got stopped at the border because they asked me, what are you doing in Vancouver? And I just simply said, I'm going to visit some friends. I'm like, well, where are you, you going to be? I was like, hey, in, in the city, going to a festival. Going to a festival? 
and I got a little mark on my passport, and I have to go to this other room. And this uh-huh. has happened every time I've gone to Canada. Uh-huh. Every time. I go to the room, and I get to talk to the guard at the other, the new guard, and he starts asking me about improv, because he's like, and this is in Toronto, because we had a connection in Toronto to fly right. to Vancouver. So we're in Toronto. Myself and Jim Doyle and Emily Fontano from SAC were with me. They also got stopped because they were with me, because mm-hmm. they were behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to the window, and my guy is just like, oh, you're doing improv. He's like, oh, that's cool. My nephew takes classes at Second City, talking to me about improv. And then he just stands and goes, have a great time. Yep. And I'm literally like, what? I'm not here to rob you guys. I'm not here to steal your jobs. I'm not making any money off of this. This is just a festival to go have fun. Right. I mean, I mean it's probably different when you are trying to make money up there. I'm sure it's Yeah, different. yeah, yeah. I mean, it is my living. And I know, like how the rules work now yeah. you can if you go, if you're an american artist going to canada you mm-hmm. can totally perform you but you can't perform oddly enough in a bar you can totally perform in a theater and you don't need a visa to really? be a performing artist yeah that's so interesting uh, at a certain money threshold you do need to start like telling the canadian government what yeah. you're making and giving them a piece of it sure and that's a big learning curve i bet Buh, barf. <laughs> but uh yeah it's totally better being a u.s artist going to canada Canadians coming to America, very different story. Is they really? cannot. You have to have a visa to legally perform, even for free, in America. That is so... It's bananas, Why? Dude. I don't... I just, I, I don't well, I think, it. It, I think it's because... Um, and I, I, This is just my own personal observation. As a country, Canada culturally seems to prize the arts mm-hmm. more than America does. That's... that's Probably very true. Per capita, they give more funding to public art projects, mm-hmm. uh, both in a live theatrical sense uh, as well as any other sense. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, it, I think the culture is enriched for it. Yeah, indeed. So I gotta, I gotta ask about the sack memory. Oh, you're going back? Okay. Yeah, I want to. Cool. So it was my first night at the theater. Okay. Uh, I was, I, backstory. I got hired from Chicago to come down to. Orlando to open Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. Changed your uh, life? Changed my life. I'm here, and I'm honored. I, I love it. I'm, I'm so lucky that it happened. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled I was able to have the courage to take that chance, mm-hmm. because I almost didn't. I was real close to not going, um, but I'm glad I did. So glad I did. So glad. Uh, so my director at the time at Disney was Dave Russell, mm-hmm. who was the current president and former artistic director and managing director of SAC. Yep. Dave kept SAC afloat for years. So he was my director, and he said, hey, do you do improv? And I said, yeah, I did in Chicago. And he knew that he auditioned me up there. So he was like, why don't you come check out our Wednesday nights? It's called our Gen S shows. And I, I remember going and having a workshop. And in the workshop with Lyle Moon, Canadian improv all-star. Yep. And just all-around great guy. Super um, dude. He was directing it, and I, I was expecting to go to the workshop and watch the show. I did one scene. It was in a barber shop. And then he was like, oh, you want to be in the show tonight? I was like, oh, okay, great. So in the show, um, you were in the show. Okay. And in that show, early on in the show, you made like a CSI move, like a crime scene investigator's move, where you did something in the scene. It was really funny. Um, I don't remember anything else about the show until the very end, the last scene. Mm -hmm. Something happens in the scene where some kind of crime gets committed, and you walk on stage. You're like, all right, let's check it out as a crime scene investigator. And you brought it back from the beginning, mm-hmm. and you made that move, and it was a blackout, and it was just a great laugh. And I remember going, oh, man, that was, that was a solid, smart callback. And it was good to fluke. see. Fluke. Total <laughs> fluke. If you know That's, Chase Padgett. Yeah. He, he didn't leave SAC. We, we removed him from SAC. No. <laughs> all right. Let's get into it. We, we kicked him out. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I remember you seeing making, seeing you make that move and going, that was just like a smart 
uh, intelligent and and super funny move that, that just came from listening. It came from paying attention, mm-hmm. and it was. I remember just going, "Man, that guy's awesome." Well, that's very flattering. I remember having a very similar reaction to seeing the first choice. I can really recall you making it on oh, the sack stage. Please do tell. Yeah. It was uh, scenically simple, just a simple forward reverse scene, mm-hmm. and. I remember backstage you saying, I haven't really done a lot of short form. I've mostly done kind of like Herald stuff at, yeah. at I.O. And uh, even though you and I are of a similar mindset where we believe like improv is improv, you should be able to do yep. all of it. Yeah. Um, at the time, I had been so far away from short form because I, totally. I did three, three years in Chicago, which was all long form. In front of in front of basically audiences of other long form improvisers, right? And you just get used to that kind of energy. Yeah, nothing, yeah, you really do. Nothing negative about it, but that's just what it is. It's it's a different kind of world. It is. It is a different kind of world. It's a different kind of pace. Yes, and I have. Enc- I had encountered by that point other long form improvisers mm-hmm. who prized their long form chops, who when they played with us, for whatever reason, got in their head about the games. Yes, or or. They were snobbish about it, and, and because they were snobbish about short form, never fully committed, thus sort of ruining, like totally being a self-fulfilling prophecy, you yeah. know? But you did a forward reverse, which is, let's be frank, one of, it's on the gamier spectrum. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you crushed it, and you still made it a scene. And I remember they were, you were going back and forth, and you were finding, like, dogs and cabinets in a trailer. That was the scene. <laughs> and, and someone was doing sound effects for puppies or whatever. Yeah. Uh, every, everything was a puppy in a cabinet, you know, because <laughs> it's uh, sensible. Yeah, And uh, I remember watching it, and I just thought, all right, this guy, he says he's an improv person from Chicago who has long-form experience, but he plays with a pace and a commitment that I th- I have found typically, even to this day, more indicative of a short form training. Yeah, and uh, and I'll never forget it. And then and from that that point right there, I was like, yeah, yeah, this guy's sweet. I was I was super lucky because I went to UMass Amherst in Massachusetts for yep. college, and I was a part of the group Mission Improbable. Mission Improbable went on to they, the six core guys that started that troupe moved to Chicago. They stayed together as a team, and then they started touring the country. Yeah. They would always come back and do workshops with us for free. Like, I would say two, maybe three times a year for about three years, those guys would just show up and go, hey, we're in town. Those are great dudes. Oh, they're great dudes. I've met a couple of them now. Yeah, you met um, Lloyd. Lloyd, yep. Lloyd yeah. was doing epic rap battles of history. Chris, um, Mike Patet. Yeah, they're all great dudes. Great dudes. Yeah. Um, anyone who's been a part of Mission Improbable is just, they, they cast based on intelligence and they cast based on strong play. And it's like, which is how you should always cast. But um, th- for some reason, Mission Improbable has always been one of those groups that shows everyone you can still do short form, but you can do it with that sort of long-form energy and that long-form mentality, and it's still a good show. Yeah. There's, like, a fear that people have. Oh, if I do short-form, it's all games. But it's like, no, it's not. It's, it's, um, you know what's really funny? I love seeing improvisers who have that attitude and then telling them, okay, cool, so here's the, here's the scene we're going to do. Here's mm-hmm. the, quote, short-form game. You're going to tell a story. Just do a narrative collage. And you watch them collapse at it. Yeah. They stand there, and they, they want to be grounded characters. Mm-hmm. They want to tell a story. But if you tell them, okay, cool, you have to do it elegantly mm-hmm. in three to five minutes in this sort of theatrical framing. Yeah. And they can't seem to do it. And then I've seen people 
be snobbish about fo- short form because they feel like it's gamey. Give them a short form game that's really narratively character scenically based, mm-hmm. which exists, America. Yep. And uh, and then they collapse and then they walk away frustrated. They don't realize that they actually didn't live up to the thing they said they were best at. Yeah. That it's its own skill. And it's a valuable skill to have. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to Kevin Galise out of Atlanta, who's the artistic director of Dad's Love Garage. Kevin. Amazing. And he's one of those Canadians. You mm-hmm. know how they are. Mm-hmm. Brilliant at improv. I'm sharing a venue with him kind. at the Edmonton Fringe this summer. Awesome. Yeah. He, Mike Del- uh he and his two-person uh, uh, group, Scratch. Yep. Mike Delamont doing Goddess, Goddess, Drag Queen, and me doing Nashville Hurricane. Oh, awesome. We're going to be doing the Princess Theater at the Edmonton Fringe this summer. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. A, those are three awesome heavy hitters. Go it's going to be It's going to be interesting. Yeah. That's cool. They typically have not shared that venue with anybody. That's... Oh, really? Yeah. It's, like, it's a big movie theater. I think it holds like 352. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. You, you definitely have the clout to fill a place like that. Fingers got- crossed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we were, he and I were talking long about... Uh, one day uh, about the difference between short form and long form and he said something so simple and elegant to me and it was just like you know short form is just disconnected improv long form is everything's connected and it just kept it that simple and it's not about oh well in short form you have to play loud obnoxious quick funny characters whereas in long form you can take your time and and, you know breathe in the scene like you can breathe in a scene in short form Mm -hmm. you just have to you just have to do it in a shorter amount of time you can still take your time and create something and I think the thing that is interesting to watch because I because now I'm part of the Curious Comedy Theater in Portland, which Oregon. is a great theater. It's a great space, great theater, great community. And Portland's improv scene has really been accelerating its growth in recent years. Like just yeah. in the time I've been there, two years, it's a totally different scene now. In just two years, um, I have seen people who are predominantly a long form trained crowd mm-hmm. try to tackle short form. And they get flummoxed by it, and it's because they're, they aren't used to making strong, emotionally quick changes and choices yeah. that are totally scenically justified, mm-hmm. right? The real difference between long form and short form, you can totally have interscene connection in short form, Absolutely. too. Absolutely, and you should. And you really you should. should. You have to do it faster. And faster doesn't mean you're big and broad. No. Faster means you make the most of every offer that's coming at you. Yeah. And you do that by being emotionally impacted. Mm-hmm. You don't go a minute without being emotionally affected by something. Yeah. You get emotionally affected with a much faster rhythm. Yeah, you have to because you don't have the time. You, you don't have the time because that's the way the show is set up. Like, you don't have the time to wait. Like, okay, I heard him say that, but I'm going to let that affect me in a little while. It's like, no, he just said that now. I have to be affected by it right now. Right now. And it doesn't mean I have to scream my head off and be like, we are crazy. It and just it means totally I have to just let it hit me so that my scene partner can then say, oh, that hit them. How does that make me feel? Right. It's all about that. It's, it's all about that. It's, and it totally doesn't mean, like, i got to make a Trump reference. No. In fact, it's... Stop making Trump references. I'm yeah. just going to go ahead and say that. Not, just no, don't, just unless don't you've really written go. a show about him called Simpleton, which is fine. I'm going to look. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing that. that. Uh, we actually talked to Tom uh, the other day. Yeah. But, like, no, that's a great Trump reference. That's a show about it. But, like, in improv, when you're when all else fails, pull out a joke, it's like, ah, you just you, you can easily cut the legs off a scene when you're like, let me make a quick joke because I don't know what else to do. Right. When all you have to do is look inside yourself, how does what just happened make me feel? And just go through that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like... Uh, 
I don't know what the future of improv is going to be. Uh, I don't think anyone really does. No. But I do think there is room in any sized market and city in America for short form that is scenically strong mm-hmm. and long form that plays fast. Yeah. You know, when I watch Cook County play, yes. right, they play with a speed and a commitment that feels very familiar to me from my short form days. Yeah. And even Brendan Jennings, yeah. like he plays with such speed and veracity yeah. and commitment. And no one would look at Brendan and say, oh, well, that's a short form improviser. Nope. No, they look at him and go, he's a long form improviser. But guess where he started? Right. Sack Comedy Lab. Yes. You know, so like he, he's, he's just one of those improvisers who gets it and he knows what he has to do and he, know, and he makes it look so mm-hmm. organic and so easy. He's also uh, one of those, I can remember watching him play before I was even on stage at SAC, before I even was taking classes. Yeah. And I remember watching him make choices and, and seeing a, a, a player who was always on the brink of creation. There yeah. was never anything forced or planted. He is funny. He is a goddamn unicorn <laughs> on stage. He's incredible. Yeah. Uh, but he's never forcing a thing. And he's dynamically funny. Yeah. Powerfully oh, funny. Yeah. I got and, to see him uh, for the for yeah. the reunion show. I think you missed him, right? You missed I him. I did, day. yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I met Brendan when I was living in Chicago. Right. That's where I knew him. And found, found out when I was moving here, he, he mentioned, like, oh, yeah, that's where I came from. And I was like, you came from SAC? I had no idea. Um, but then watching him this weekend, I, I really delighted in watching a lot of our current SAC performers mm-hmm. watch him and, go, and just watch them on the sidelines just with their mouths open laughing. And then asking them after, like, what was it like to watch? And they're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's if, – if you want to define it, Brendan is one of the definitions. Oh, he's it. Yeah. There is no doubt. I have never seen another Brendan Jennings. No. Ever. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. Brendan. Brendan, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. This is just to you right now. Everybody else listening to this podcast, don't just stop listening. Go get a drink or something. Yeah. Brendan, go. you stay seated. Yeah, right there, buddy. There it is. You have left an indelible impression on my life and the life of anyone and everyone that has ever seen you on stage, Brendan. You have changed the course of art and entertainment for dozens, hundreds, no, no, thousands of people. And Brendan, I hope you understand that someday I'm going to pay you back. It may not be with money. It may not be with opportunities. It'll probably be a back rub. A back rub from Chase to you. But you know what? It's going to be a killer back rub. Oh, you're going to feel good. I know you got knots. I can see it in how you move. You're like a wooden tree with knots all over your body. I'm going to put my elbow in all those little knots and rub them out. Little Swedish style Chase massage. It is. It's more Manchurian than Swedish. Manchurian. Sorry about that. Thanks for the correction. Thank you for your accuracy. Brendan. I love you. And thank you for being great. Not just on stage, 
but on baskets. Have you seen baskets? He's amazing so in baskets. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jason, um, thank you so much for sitting down and talking to me. It's always good to talk to you, brother. Yeah, buddy. Um, so you're going to Edmonton. Is there anything else coming up that you can pitch to people that might hear this that would maybe take a trip or maybe Ooh. hear this where you are? Yeah, man. Uh, actually, the best thing to do is just keep in touch with my Facebook page mm-hmm. or my actual website, chasepaget.com. Uh that's got all my dates coming up. I gotta update it, but I'm gonna. I got dates in Winnipeg this summer, Edmonton this summer. I got some North Carolina dates in the oh, fall. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm all. I'm all over. I'm all cool. over. I got some Texas stuff coming up in spring of next year. Nice. Yeah. And you're going to be doing uh, Nashville Hurricane Six Guitars. Is that what you're kind of doing out in the road? Uh, yeah, Nashville Hurricane Six Guitars. And I'm already I'm already stewing mm-hmm. on the next solo thing. It's been a while since I've made a new solo show, and I. I want to feel the fear again. Nice. Feeling the fear. That's a great, it's a great statement to uh, anyone who out there who is considering creating something. You know what else is a great statement? And is not feeling that fear. What? Brendan Jennings oh, on Baskets. You. Guys. Go see it. Ooh. Brendan Jennings on Baskets. It's great fun. Ooh. I love him so much. His red hair is fun. Ooh. That was bad. <laughs> But it was to be good at musical improv. Well, that's how people are going to remember you from that. Forever. Forever. Chase Padgett, thanks for, thanks for sitting in, buddy. Thanks, Mike Carr. Talk to you later. Peace. Bye. This has been a SAC production. Like us on Facebook.com slash SAC Comedy Lab. Follow at SAC Comedy Lab on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.